0: This is episode 208. Today is Monday, January 9th, 2012. Welcome to Countless Screaming Argonauts. I'm t P, the Fabulous Penguin. And I'm Max. And Max, we are smack dab in the middle of our second show of the new year. Yep. And uh,
1: our our reunion show after, I think, two weeks off.
0: Yeah. And and there is plenty, plenty of stuff that I wanted to touch on. Powalentia of stuff. Powalentia of stuff. Um, Let's let's start politics first, just because. Well, just because, because
1: (sighs) there's been so much politics. There has been
0: Um, the last several times that you and I have talked, I have mentioned the fact that it seems like. The deeper we get into this GOP process, the more we have people jump to the lead and then say something stupid, say something ignorant, do something stupid, get caught with their pants down, something, and end up <laughs> spit the bit right, and, and end up falling backwards. And and in this past couple of weeks, there have been loads of these things. Yeah, and I just wanted to touch on a couple of them. Alright, loads really? Loads. Absolutely loads of them. Okay. Now my absolute favorite one of all time is the fact that Rick Santorum he <laughs> put a lot of money into the Iowa campaign. Right. Because he knew that he could do really well there.
1: That was his crowd. Right?
0: And that would that would tip tip the GOP towards him a little bit.
1: Right. Mike Huckabee won in Iowa. He was a Huckabeean candidate.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so here he is speaking in Sioux City, Iowa, last weekend. Mm-hmm. And this is a quote from NPR Radio. Rick Santorum said, I don't want to make black people's lives better by giving them somebody else's money. I want to give them the opportunity to go out and earn the money. Okay. All right. So he obviously got called on it. And he could not back away from it fast enough, and this is what he said: "I'm pretty sure that I didn't say black people. I think <laughs> I said I started to say a word, and then changed it in the middle. So I really said, <laughs> so I really said <laughs> black, people, black people. And all I can think of, and, I, and we just watched it while the while the kids were out here visiting me in New Mexico. We watched The Princess Bride. Yeah, and." It, when I saw the scene with Mad Max, the uh, when he revives the guy. In the, I don't
1: know the Mad Max connection.
0: Okay. But. Well, he, when he revives the guy, he pushes on his stomach and he says, true love. And Mad Max won't accept the fact that that's what he said. And he said, no, it wasn't true love. He said, true bleu that's what this made me think about how Santorum could possibly think that he could get away with A, saying black people you know, they don't want to I don't want to make their lives better by giving them other people's money number one and then deny that he said it saying, well I didn't say black people I said blah people (laughs) (laughs) blah
1: I I missed that entirely Okay, on, on CNN
0: to John King he said in fact, I'm pretty confident I didn't say black. I started to say a word and then sort of changed it, and it sort of "blah" came out. I mumbled it.
1: That's a that's a great political dialogue right there, isn't it? <laughs> I I I meant to mumble. Right. I, I said something poorly. If that's if that's how you defend yourself by saying, "Well, I mumbled."
0: Right. Isn't that that's amazing?
1: Well, did you know he wrote the welfare reform bill?
0: Uh, Yes, I did.
1: And we've talked about this, that part of what goes on, at least in, in my opinion, among the unspoken racism on the right wing is that those people are taking our money and doing nothing.
0: And we have to stop it.
1: Right, and we know those people are bleh.
0: Right, they're black. They've been black all the time, <laughs> you know. Except now, when they're when they're Hispanic or Mexican.
1: <laughs> yes, but those people need to go away. Right, we, we can people. send
0: them away because they're all illegal. But right. the black people are here to stay,
1: <laughs> and they don't want to work.
0: Now, speaking of racism, another person who was doing quite well for a while there was Ron Paul. Yeah, and then. There were a lot of articles that were being written about his newsletters that he printed.
1: From the 1990s. Right. Except that he
0: said they weren't his. He said he didn't write them himself. Right. It had his name on it. Right. And he got the money for it.
1: They were used to generate campaign funds. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they were racist and they were anti-Semitic.
0: Absolutely. So... um, I read this fascinating what article
1: about say kike. He said
0: blood right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting thing about this was, or at least in this article, it talked about why this hasn't bothered the people of Texas. <laughs> and I said to myself, duh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, duh, what are you talking about? Okay? Yeah. So yeah. so one of his people who is no longer one of his people mm-hmm. told the story uh, from the 1996 general election. It was a consultant in Texas who asked his name not be used, that he was Lefty Morris's campaign manager, who is the Democrat who was running against Ron Paul in the general election. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he said that this guy, Lefty Morris was hammering home the fact that Ron Paul's political report was listed in the neo-Nazi directory, and also, <laughs> also, which also included publications by the Ku Klux Klan and the Aryan Nation. And so they thought that this was going to be an advantage to them. So he brought it up in a town meeting, mm-hmm. and he's trying to use it as his political advantage. And when he said that, the group suddenly got really, really quiet. And then one man stood up in the back of the room, and said, and this is a quote, there ain't nothing wrong with the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> so this is why he does so well in Texas.
1: Yeah. And he is a Texas congressman.
0: Woman who said who followed this up with by saying, It's the media's fault. They never report any of the good things that the Ku Klux Klan does.
1: <laughs> but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln
0: and then, as if all of this wasn't bad enough, I can remember a long time ago telling you that, that I had real issues with, with uh, Ron Paul because he was anti-gay, and you, yeah. you weren't sure that you had ever heard that, uh, yeah. but this, was, this is going back two or three years. So one of his former longtime aides, Eric Gundero, wrote a post in the news this past week defending Ron Paul against charges of racism and anti-Semitism. Yeah. But acknowledge the fact that Ron Paul is—he
1: <laughs> really didn't like the gays—is
0: personally uncomfortable around gay people. Huh. He said, "Is Ron Paul a racist?" In short, no. Is Ron Paul a homophobic? Well, yeah, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I don't know what to say. Right. I, I, you know, you—you you got me. <laughs> I'm stumped.
0: Right. Well, one time, and then Dondaro also reported that one time, Paul made him leave a campaign stop at a gay supporter's home. So he could go use the bathroom at a fast food restaurant instead of using it in the guy's home. Wow. So to me. He's batshit insane. Yeah. To me, that's just another, <laughs> one, of those, just another one of those things, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, that's interesting. I, You know, sometimes he's, he puts together a cogent argument. He he was talking on yesterday's debate, or maybe it was the night before, us, about how we shouldn't have gay rights or women's rights. We should just all have everyone's rights. I forget exactly how he put it. For a minute, I thought maybe he just really believes in the sort of, I hate to say it, but intellectual argument. As long as we are engaging in affirmative action, we are por- advantaging someone, mm-hmm. and the government ought not to advantage every anyone. But this makes that all go to hell.
0: <laughs> in a handbasket.
1: Right,
0: And then my favorite. My favorite is the Newt Notes stuff. Because Newt came out before the Iowa caucuses. Yeah. And he said, I never liked Romney's health care proposal when he was in Massachusetts. I right. disagree with it entirely. I thought that it was, you know, on and on and on he went. And then somebody yeah. produced a 2006 memo in which Newt, Newt Gingrich praises Mitt Romney's Massachusetts health care plan. And that
1: was the Republican answer to when Hillary tried Absolutely. to fix the healthcare Absolutely, system. sure. That was the right-wing reaction right. at the time. Gingrich
0: wrote in 2006, we agree entirely with Governor Romney and the Massachusetts legislators that our goal should be 100% insurance coverage for all Americans. And now right. he is... Back it away from that, including using the uh, Ron Paul defense. I really didn't write that. Somebody <laughs> else penned that. Yeah, I know. Right. I, it was under my name. And yeah, I know. I got the money for it. But I didn't write that.
1: Bluff. <laughs> I, I meant to say bluff. Exactly. Bluff. <laughs> he is a facile liar.
0: Oh, they yeah. all are.
1: I watched these two debates, like I said, this recent weekend. And I find that I'm increasingly repulsed by Mitt Romney mm-hmm. who seems like a petulant rich child.
0: Oh he does. He do- he definitely does.
1: You no know? and no no, you stop now. It's my turn. Right. Oh when totally. you know politics is, is down in the mud hardball. Uh-huh. And uh,
0: He acts as if he's privileged.
1: Yes, he does. You know? And um, and he clearly since his policies have all changed,'ll say whatever it takes mm-hmm. to to get himself elected, right.
0: except that I'm not a Mormon anymore.
1: <laughs> no, he has doubled down on his faith right, which I guess <laughs> uh, you know
0: <laughs> so what can you I, say I mean you know
1: Mitt Romney is uh, uh, a Mormon, <laughs> some would spell it differently, mm-hmm. but either way, you spell it, he's one of them yes. I wanted to just make a quick note about Rick Perry.
0: Sure, Paul, please be yeah. my be my guest.
1: Well, I heard I heard a very cogent analysis of Rick Perry this morning on Morning Joe. Mm-hmm. They said he didn't get a lot of questions, and he was perfectly happy <laughs> not a lot of questions. But but the thing that I want everyone to know, uh, and that I thought was going to be my big bombshell when, because I thought he was. Going to roll through the Republican primary because he loves Jesus and created jobs supposedly, right. you know. I don't. I don't know how he could possibly not win the nomination. He, you know, and he's not a Mormon. He was elected first the year that Kinky Friedman ran for governor of Texas. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was a three-way race, and Kinky Friedman got a significant chunk of votes. I don't know the exact amount. I've heard people say that if Kinky Friedman hadn't won, that Rick Perry's other opponent would have won wow. because Kinky's a little left of center.
0: Sure. So, uh, Max, I want to move away from politics for minute. Okay. And I know I know how much you love studies. I love studies. You love studies. You especially love the crazy ones like, you know, why do lesbians drink and, and that kind yeah. of stuff. But I found two really interesting studies that were done recently that I wanted to just share with you because they came up with some really interesting facts. Great. I love facts okay. too. The first one, especially was, when they're true facts. Right. The first one was this man from this a professor, marketing professor from Queensland university who did a mm-hmm. study in Southern England.
1: Queensland is, is in New York city, right?
0: Uh, no, that's Queens. Oh, okay. <laughs> he did some field experiments in England to Uh test the effect of strangers' touches on shopping times and customer evaluations. Mm. And what he found out was was that crowded malls are not what retailers should be hoping for. And Hmm. that when there are less people in the mall per capita, more money is spent. That's interesting. It It is.
1: People like me don't like a crowd.
0: And basically they said that people who were touched in the mall – spent less time in the store, reported more negative brand evaluations, more negative product beliefs, and were less willing to pay than customers who were left alone in peace.
1: Oh, see, and I was thinking you were going to go just the opposite. You were going to say people who were, you know, stroked and caressed were going to buy more. No,
0: people who are stroked and bothered buy less and And spend less and give negative evaluations of the products.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I, I, it makes perfect sense now that I think sure. about it. That's actually pretty interesting. Sure. You, you get bumped and jostled and crowded and squeezed, and you're like, I want to get out of here. Right.
0: The implication is that real t- retailers try to drive as many customers to their store as possible, but overcrowding drives them away.
1: That for, for me, for sure. I wonder how that breaks out on gender.
0: Well, according to this, it said both men and women who are accidentally touched – were more likely to leave the store in a hurry and dislike the product. So it, it kind of doesn't, you know, it doesn't hmm. specifically say it, but it kind of implies that it was both male yeah, and female. Yeah. So I thought that was it, real interesting.
1: Yeah, and it, it doesn't break down the difference between like a shoulder bump and an ass grab. Right, right,
0: it doesn't. But but he th- okay. they say that we're touched. So yeah. I, I'm not thinking that it's a, you know, I think it's more than a, t- a shoulder thing. I think it's probably bumping into them.
1: Right, you know, right.
0: that you would kind of find in a, in a crowded, right. crowded kind of store. Now, this second one was a study done by Iowa State University economist, economists John Bagan and Helen Jensen, who collected information about various industrial food inputs, including sugar and corn syrup. The reason they were doing this is because they were looking at the effects of sin taxes, Mm-hmm. And basically, as you know, in sin taxes, the consumer is charged more. So for cigarettes, there's all these taxes that are put on it. So the consumer right. pays more. Alcohol. Alcohol is another example of, of all that. And basically what this study found was, was that essentially lawmakers should really tax the ingredients instead of the final product because you get a better – um. A better alternative use of
1: the wrong ingredients, right,
0: reasons. right, and that the that the alternatives at the checkout counter tend to be better, better choices because if you tax, like for example, you know the example they use is if you tax corn syrup, right, then a they're more likely to use real pure cane sugar instead, which is better. So I just thought that was real, real interesting. Again, it's one of those things you tend not to think as being the way that the study like that would come out. Yeah. You know? and, and whether or not it would ever happen, who knows? Because, well, you know,
1: it, that would, that would imply that the government does the right thing for the right reason. Right. And
0: that right, right then and there you use government and right <laughs> twice in the same sentence.
1: <laughs> it's seemingly less likely all the time, although I'm not going to give up on government, but right. Right. Uh, there's a, I probably mentioned this before. There's a movie that I have to see that I haven't seen called King Corn. And it's it's about when the United States decided to advocate the growing of corn over other grain crops. Mm. And it was, I think, 1973. And Nixon and uh, all of the things that have happened as a result of it. And it's just a movie I, I want to see. I haven't, I haven't found it yet. But uh, just from what I heard about it, and I heard an extensive uh, news story about it, I think on NPR, mm-hmm. and uh, I would recommend it, even though
0: I haven't seen it yet. Right. There was this very very nice article about what people fear new technologies are going to replace in their lives, and uh, you know basically the the woman who wrote the article, her name was um, Rebecca Rosen. Said that mm-hmm. today with Kindles and iPads and mobile phones changing much about how we go about our business and how we live our lives, people are developing fears of losing certain things in their lifetime.
1: Like the ability to read. Well,
0: you know, that was one thing that you and I have talked about before. Mm-hmm. But this was a, basically a survey of what people were worried about would become obsolete too soon in the years ahead. Number one was books. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people out there who are really attached to books, and I, you know, there's, this there seems like there's this growing push on, on like Kindles and 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 all those the other audiobooks. ebook readers.
1: Right, Kindles and, and Nooks and Nook all that and stuff, even readers and audiobooks. Yeah.
0: So that was number one. Number two was newspapers, and all I can say yeah. about that is pff, she missed that one. Newspapers have been dead for years.
1: It's <laughs> true. Yeah, I, you know what? I watched an ad for the New York Times this morning. And they the first thing they show is a guy taking his New York Times and putting it under his arm, folding it and putting it under under his arm, and there's a graphic underneath that shows the talk like you should buy the New York Times because you get the feel of the newspaper in your hand, which is what they were saying. Right. But you, you can still read it on your iPad. Sure. You just can't
0: tuck it can't tuck it right under your shoulder under your armpit right right
1: and it's more dangerous to bring the ipad into the bathroom with you than it is the paper
0: right and there was also speaking of that there was a reverse commercial of that which was a, a commercial for the ipad where where the basically the guy said well there is some problems with and it was this guy who was sitting at his kitchen table reading the newspaper on the ipad And a fly was bothering him and it landed on the table in front of him and he smacked it with the iPad (laughs) and he broke it. And I said, well, yeah, it's not good for everything. You know, so uh, interesting, interesting, different looks at the same issue. Right. right. I like it. Okay. Number three on the list was teachers. And this is the one I found most interesting. Mm. People are worried that they're going to, that we're going to lose Teachers. And the two things that were quoted were the fact that there are some schools in South Korea that are already using robots to teach English. Hmm. And that the New York Times recently profiled a program in Miami-Dade County, Florida, where 7,000 students are sitting at computers studying core subjects with a facilitator but no teacher in the room. Hmm. Now, I saw that. I read yeah. that article, and it was fascinating. It sounds like a bad idea to me. Yeah, it, well, it was fascinating in that they, they, they profiled they, – they did a study of it, and they, they split – I think it was about 100 kids. They took 100 kids who were generally doing well in school mm-hmm. and put them in this kind of a program, and they took 100 kids who were generally not doing well. And we're not talking about behavior problems. We're talking about kids who were having trouble with the subjects. Right. And they put them in this program. And both groups equally made progress, hmm. which you would have expected the smart students to, which right. you would not have expected the struggling students to. And they were. And when they talked to the kids about it, they said things like they were able to get answers to questions without feeling intimidated by the teacher.
1: I wondered if they, uh... if they didn't
0: understand something, they could rephrase the question and ask it again. They had all the time in the world they needed to ask questions and get answers.
1: Less pressure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I thought that was real interesting. And then when I saw this, it made me think even more so that there was something, you know, there may be something to it. And so that led to number four, which is that getting, getting away or doing away with schools. And, and again, people are afraid that, um, you know, that there's going to be, for example, Stanford's artificial intelligence course had a hundred thousand people in it this fall It was completely online with no, um, with no, you know, no teacher. I mean, and that's a major university. Yeah. You know? And so. A hundred thousand hundred thousand kids took that class this fall.
1: And maybe they weren't
0: all kids. Right, right. Students took it.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of learning going on online. And a lot of people our ages are going back to school online. Um, I always liked the classroom setting. And I always did well in the classroom. Right now, I can't seem to learn shit. I got CLS, can't learn shit. But so I have a lot of sympathy now for the kids who couldn't keep up in grammar school.
0: There were, uh, there were people who speculated on this thing that said that it seemed like as a supplement to traditional classroom education, this was working very well, but it was not seen as a replacement. But over time, as these courses gain in legitimacy and reputation – that could definitely change.
1: Here's here's my worry, and maybe it's, it's overdone. There is an increasing movement on both sides of the political spectrum, but maybe more so with right-wing people to homeschool their kids. Mm-hmm. We're having a hard enough time in the world, particularly in civics things like voting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Coming up with a fact is a fact, and the more people self-educate, the more they're going to be able to disavow facts that they don't happen to agree with or have trouble. Absolutely,
0: with. I think you raise a very, very good point, and and I know somebody who's run into that several times recently, and that's Billy yeah. Jupiter in the library.
1: Yeah, they they want books Mm -hmm. about things that are not right in
0: their in their perspective and that's that's different
1: yeah people have to see that that documentary on the dover delaware evolution trial Mm -hmm. i wish i could tell you the name i can never remember the name of it in there they talk about that book that uh people wanted to introduce into the science tech of pandas and people which was a religious book where they did a a word replacement edit, and is literally non-science and nonsense, and it's it's a valued text still in certain circumstances. Sure, sure.
0: Uh, okay, so Max, a, a few uh, probably a couple months ago now, uh, college boy turned me on to a uh, to a website. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the name of the the website was called Penguin Hats. Okay. okay? Arctic gear, headgear, penguin hats. Had, oh, right, right. You right. I, I joined the Facebook page. I sent it around and stuff like that. So the uh, the owner of the company, it's, a, it's actually a company out of Brooklyn. And okay. uh, I, I wrote to the guy who runs the company because right. he had posted a thing that said he had some stickers to give away. Cool. So I wrote to him, and he wrote back and said they had run out of stickers, but you know if he got some more, he'd let us know. And then he sent me a personal message saying – he ended up having some stickers left over, and this was right when I was in the, in the middle of moving. Mm-hmm. So I just got a note from him uh, the last week in December, and he said, I got some stickers. Let me send them to you, and he did. The guy's name is Gavin Shapiro, cool. and he sells the stickers on his website for three for a buck, and he sent me like 18 or 20 of them. Excellent. Which was really, really good. So what I was going to do is tell people, if anybody emails me at csapodcast at com, I'd send them a Penguin Hats sticker. sticker. And basically, that this is a blast. I, I just had the letter here right in front of me. It says uh, that he wrote, he said, uh, thanks for the uh, plug offer. I can't wait to hear the podcast. Let me know if you ever need more stickers. And then he signs it, Gavin Shapiro, and he draws a little penguin next to his name
1: (laughs) excellent excellent i
0: thought that was really really wonderful and and i wrote back to him and i said you know we might be interested in doing a little interview with him i thought that would be great i'd love to find out about like how we got the idea for the company and how fast it's growing and and you know and and that sort of stuff I, i i think it's a blast
1: i think it's great i i wish that and you maybe could could ask this question of him (laughs) <laughs> How can we get our stickers printed? Uh, people don't realize when we're promoting our our stuff at, on the podcast at the end, we don't make any money on on our stickers and our mugs and our t-shirts. We sell them for what it costs to 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 sell them at Cafe Press, and if we would be glad to give out CSA stickers if we could, you know, get them at maybe the rates he gets.
0: Sure. Well, you know, I think I think we should definitely consider having. Gavin on the show. I'm sure that he would love to do it.
1: Yeah, Um, I have a couple of uh, interviews tentatively uh, lined up uh, as well. I think we should do more interviews this
0: year. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun to do. So I'm going to write back to him and tell him that, uh, you know, I'm going to tell him that the plug's in uh, in this show.
1: The plug is in. We are enthusiastically in favor of Penguin Hats. I did go out there. I looked at the hats. I want one. (laughs) And when I can free up any amount of cash I'm desperately poor, I, I will buy one. For people
0: who are listening, it's penguinhats.com, and uh, you can friend them on Facebook uh, at Penguin Hats, and it, this guy is pretty cool. And from one penguin to another, I have to say that uh, I'm impressed.
1: All right. Check out your penguin hats. All right? Yeah.
0: All right, Max, listen, as always, it was wonderful talking. It was fun. We always have uh, We always have a good time.
1: Yep.